Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm a co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. This limited series is proudly brought to you by ASICS, the official footwear partner of the Total Sports Two Oceans Marathon. And have you heard? ASICS has also just launched the highly anticipated Joel Nimbus 25. Oh yeah? So what makes this shoe so different? Three main reasons, Nick. Firstly, the new Pure Gel is 65% softer. It's also got 20% more foam, a higher stack height, and a rocker design. Nothing feels better. Wow, Davey, I must say, that sounds like the shoe that will help you go the distance. It will. Nicola! Davide! How are you, my friend? I am very good, Davey. Are you feeling strong? Feeling strong. Are you feeling two oceans strong? I am feeling ready. Are you? Well, not yet. We're not still, yet. We're still building our training. I, f- I feel like the penny recently dropped for me um, after the Hillcrest Half Marathon. And I, I've just been, I've been in such like a, a downward spiral and I've just been like, I've been really reflecting and looking within and I'm just like, I haven't been motivated. So yesterday I stuck all my race numbers back on the fridge. I was reflecting on all the good times I've had. I got into the gym this morning, which, which you saw me there for the first Yo, time. Like, Davey rocked up. I didn't expect him behind my shoulder. He was there. And I am, I, I actually sent you a message at 4.30 this morning. I'm like, Jim, question mark, and Nick's response was, up to you. <laughs> and I was like, ball is in your court, my boy. It has to be done, hey? It has, you can't hold my hand all the way. But yeah, I'm feeling very motivated now. I really am, uh, especially, you know, with, with something like Two Oceans. It's we around the corner, baby. 57 days away. So now, you know, if, if, you, if you are not getting mentally prepared or in the right ma- mind frame, I highly suggest that you start shifting towards the mind frame of this thing is around the corner. We all need to be preparing for it. We're going to get into the really, um, for us, you know, the, the bulk of our training. We're going to up our, our training regime up to 100Ks plus now this week. So I think now is really crunch time. And, how, and just quickly, I mean, how long would you say the bulk of our program now is going to be? You know, that really solid work. Well, you know, it depends. I think we've got to start from the beginning because obviously people listening to this, you know, uh, if you haven't started training for your ultra marathon and you're listening to this right now, you probably shouldn't be taking part in the <laughs> ultra marathon because it's just it's too much to cram in too quickly. So you might get to it, but the, the damage that you'll cause to your body will be too much. So, you know, you look at a general training plan and you're looking at someone that is experienced versus someone that's not experienced. So it's a pretty loaded question. But for us, Davey, we, you know, we've been running, we've been doing a lot of training. So to, to go and up our mileage a little bit, it's not necessarily going to take too much out of our body. Whereas if you're asking someone to stick through a 15, 16 week training block, so that's four months of training for an ultra, that can be quite a challenging thing. You know, it takes takes a lot of time, takes a lot of mind power as well to get up every morning, go for your run, even when you don't sometimes feel like yeah. it, get yeah. all your training in. It's a lot. But obviously we're talking mostly about the ultra marathon here, but there's some listeners that are going to be taking part in the half marathon. And obviously that that's completely different. Yeah. But essentially we're now getting into the more specific part of our training the building phase 
Yeah, the building phase, the specific phase in the sense that, you know, we know we're going to have to run for 56 kilometers. How much time is that going to be in the feet? What pace are we thinking of running that, that race at? Because obviously that determines the type of training. If we're just going there to finish, then pace isn't really that important. Sure. But for people that do have goals, then the pacing strategy also starts to come into play in the training. You've got to start getting comfortable with the pace that you're going to do on race day. So I think you know, there's different levels for runners, but for us in particular, it's it's the specific phase of training. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, we got straight into that. We we, <laughs> we dove right in there. But before we just get into this topic, um, nice and in-depth in into that topic, we just also want to make mention, guys, that today we have launched a really, really exciting giveaway. We've partnered with ASICS and ASICS have been kind enough to give us two pairs of the brand new Joel Nimbus 25. ASICS is also the official footwear partner of the Two Oceans Marathon. So they were just uh, really keen to get on board. And the Joel Nimbus 25 uh, has been making a lot of noise in the running scene. It is a unbelievable shoe. I'm not saying that because I'm biased. <laughs> I am very biased. Davey is a little bit biased. I but am very biased. I have to agree. I've got some great ASICS. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, go check out our social media at Making a Runner on Instagram. You will see on the page all the instructions to enter the competition. We are going to be giving away the shoes on the 1st of March. And, and two Making two, a Runner yes. listeners could walk away with brand new pairs of ASICS Gel Nimbus 25. What a pleasure. Valued at 3,500 Rand per pair, guys. So yeah, go check out our social media at Making a Runner um, and you'll find more information there. Cool. So... Let's dive right in. Davey, tell me about uh, your, your first experience at uh, Two Oceans and how your training was then. Because then based on that, I want, to, I want to speak a little bit more in depth about the training for how people should go about it and essentially how can you get the most out of what is left of your training and understand why you're doing certain types of training and why certain training is different to just normal marathon training or normal 21k training okay so you asked the question uh, my first my first uh, two oceans was in 2018 we have gone over this before but um there basically was no real training program to it i was very much what you classify as social runner which you know lots of people are there's there's nothing wrong with it it's for me at at the time my goal was finishing the two oceans marathon it was the furthest i'd ever run it was a huge achievement and it was just something that I was, you know, so excited to to be doing. It was it was really um, something that was quite close to me. You know, obviously you get you get two oceans and you get comrades. And for a lot of people that aren't willing to jump straight into comrades, two oceans is still an ultra marathon and it's something a bit more achievable. But I ran it and I had a quite a bad case of um, RTV. I had a cortisone shot and I was just, I was so in love with running at the time and I was just really happy to be there and I really enjoyed it. I suffered quite a lot, but yeah, there was, there was minimal training. It was, you know, it was. Give us an example of what the training was like, your, your usual week building so, up to it. I don't know. Yeah. I used to run with um, a social group called Regent, it's Regent Harriers. So, and then I, and then I had, you know, a smaller group of friends that we would do runs in between. But I think I would do like a 10K on a Tuesday, a 10K on a Friday, and then maybe a, a, a 15K on a Saturday. And then at the end of it, maybe like one longer run on a Sunday. But I think the furthest that we ever ran for that was 30Ks. It was um, 
the Durban campus run. So you started in Durban North, you headed all the way into into town at the uh, UKZN and, and then went back. And I think once you could tackle that uh, that 30K, oh, and then obviously we qualified uh, with our marathon. I did the, the PMB, Capital City Marathon. Uh, that was my first ever marathon also at the time and I came in just <laughs> under four hours, three hours and 59 minutes. But yeah, it was, it was a very social training program. But that's why I asked you to explain to us how your first experience went because I think a lot of people are pretty much on that same boat. There's a lot of uh, people that have started taking up running. You know, Total Sports 2 Oceans is a, is a massive race. A lot of people want to go and do it. So it, it is perhaps your first ultra marathon that you're doing. Along the way, you might end up running your first marathon to qualify for it. So that's why I think your journey is particularly relevant. It's, it's a journey that I think a lot of first-timers go through and hopefully through what we're going to talk about today uh, there'll be little nuggets of information that you can take on from here and make sure that over the next eight or nine weeks or so you really get the best out of the training that you possibly can do and also I think very important to think about not put too much pressure on yourself it is about going there and enjoying and obviously if you're then there for the actual race and you're trying to to chase a time then we'll chat a little bit more about that in particular so nick let's get into it obviously you are my coach you've been coaching me for i'd say what almost almost two years now but um for people listening here that are training for you know two oceans whether it's your first one whether you're going for that silver medal whether you're just going for either you're going for any any sort of time any sort of achievement that is personal to you uh, I just have a few questions that might benefit a few of our listeners. So first one that I just wanted to get into is what would you recommend the time frame required for training for the ultra marathon in specific? And then also just tell us about the 21K. Okay, cool. So I think the ultra marathon is a massive task, firstly. It's something that, as I've mentioned, people just think that they're going to start training for two oceans and they're going to get to it. But, you know, there's there's usually you've got to be able to run 5Ks, 10Ks, then generally 21Ks, 42Ks. Like it's something that is earned. It's not something that's a guaranteed. Because don't we work on a program of like normally 12 weeks? Yeah, so on a, on a general marathon training program, and now this is where it gets difficult because if you're someone, like I mentioned, that's quite experienced, yeah. you know, you can pick a marathon in 12 weeks time and generally, you know, if you're already capable of running 30, 40 Ks at the time, you can really get into it over 12 weeks. Sure. But if you're now someone that is starting from a from a, a ground 10K base. 10K basis. And a 10K base is a good, good scenario. You know, I get a lot of people that come to me and ask me like, where should I be before I start coaching? And I always say to them, like, you know, I can help you get to it. But I think if you can get to the point where you're running 10Ks three times a week, like that is a healthy position to be at. Because if you are there, then it's... it's or a 56. E- even for a 56. I think if you are at a point where you're running 10Ks three times a week, it shows me that your body can essentially handle an hour every second day of running without getting injured. And that's an important thing because, you know, you focus a lot on increasing that load slowly Now, if you're someone who's trying to train for a 56, even for a 21, and you've got a very steep time goal, if you haven't run even 20 minutes, half an hour, it's a big learning curve. And, you know, if you haven't been doing it for long enough, you don't know if there's going to be any issues that come up. You don't know if you're going to pick up a niggle here and there. So I'd want you to be regularly running for three times, ideally four times a week, 10Ks, casual run, doesn't have to be anything about pace, just easy running. And I think at that point, you're then at a good position to, for a two oceans, I would say 14 weeks, 
14 weeks of training. But if you're not at that position, then it can be even longer, you know, 16 weeks, 18 weeks. But it comes to a point where if you're doing anything more than that, it can it can actually burn you out a bit. So the answer is dependent on how experienced of a runner you are. But I would say anything between 14 and 16 weeks is a good time frame. 14 to look at. and 16 weeks. You four months. Four, four months of training. So, you know, with Oceans being in April, if you're starting in January, you've got January, February, March, and a little bit of April. That, I would say, is for more your more advanced runners. If you're doing nothing during December, you'll find yourself playing catch-up from the start. Yeah, sure. And then talk to me about, okay, so so say I'm a, I'm, I'm a fairly novice runner, but I've, I've run a marathon before, right? I've run a marathon before, but now I'm, I'm looking to take it to the next level and do two oceans, right? In terms of, of running a successful program to actually get through two oceans comfortably, mm. What does a successful program look like? So a successful program, I think, is one that is has got the, the target race in mind. So you're not just training for the yeah, sake you of got training. You've got your end goal. You've got your end goal, you know, and you know how far your end goal is. So you're working towards that end goal. And everything that you're doing along the way directly impacts on how you're going to be doing on the day. You know, it's not that run that you're doing today, that run that perhaps you miss tomorrow, that's going to affect that angle. But if you start missing weeks because now you're sick, if you start yeah. overtraining too quickly or picking up your mileage too quickly, you got to have that angle in mind. And if you are a fair novice to it, you might not have a specific time in mind. You might just want to finish. So, so would first it be taking those 14 weeks and saying, okay, the, you know, this is what I've got to work with. This is what I got to work with. And, and breaking then, it up. And then, from my experience, I know that we always start with a base. Yes. Right? So, so you start with that base, what, just to build up fitness? Yeah, so the base the base period is to build up fitness, build up volume. So when I speak volume, I'm speaking, so mostly most people would say kilometers, how many kilometers a week are you running? But it's also the amount of time you spent running. But essentially, you build volume during the base period just to make sure that your body can handle the amount of training coming up. And then during that period, you're not worried too much about speed you're just doing a lot of easy running low heart rate low heart rate keeping zone it zone one yeah zone two, zone two yeah. and you know keeping the pace fairly light as well it's just getting the body used to running once you get to that that comfortable place depending on how much time you have but i'd say a good month of base building you then look to to start increasing your load and in terms of increasing your load it depends on your end goal you so, know so are we starting our loading now no, so we've been loading. Have we, we been loading? We've been loading. <laughs> okay. We've been loading already. <laughs> okay. So we have been loading, but it, it load is going to look different to most people. When I when I speak load, it depends now on your end goal. If your end goal, as I say, is it, it is just to end off comfortably and finish that run comfortably, it comes down to increasing that volume. So slowly increasing that volume. Now your runs go from an hour to hour and a half to two hours to two and a half hours, three hours. You know that would be building up your volume okay but let's take it because because now i'm genuinely curious so obviously <laughs> someone's you know someone's taking part in two oceans by now you've hopefully qualified or you're planning on on qualifying very soon yeah um but you're doing this thing right yeah how many kilometers a week is your base again it's it's dependent what would you on, advise on your target it depends on you as an individual so some people can only handle running 50ks a week and if you train smartly you can build up to maybe 70ks a week and that's fine but sure. also i think the the kilometer approach can be faulted because you know 100ks a week of running to me and davy 
is like eight hours of training. But to someone that's perhaps a little bit slower, 100 Ks a week of running, if they're thinking, oh, I need to run like Davey, that's like 10 hours, 11 hours, 12 hours of training. So it's the purely dependent on your capacity as an individual. So that's why I think, you know, you can look at what elite level athletes are doing, but you're not an elite. 200 Ks a week. 200 Ks a week. But if I had to run 200 Ks a week, the amount of time it would take me to do that, it purely, it, it can't work. I wouldn't be worried about the time. I'd be worried about the time spent in hospital. Yeah, perhaps. You definitely won't get to your goal. But, you know, to go back to it, it's it's very individualized. So I think, you know, if anyone does have questions, we, we will have a Total Sports Two Oceans Marathon a special episode where we will be taking your questions. So you could perhaps email info at Making a Runner or DM us on our socials. And usually Nick charges for this kind of stuff. So get those questions in there. Yeah, get so, the questions okay. in. So we, we've clarified you go from base to your loading phase and then what? And then, you know, once you've loaded, you've pretty much got into your marathon distance. So now you should be comfortable. I mean, at this stage, building up to oceans, if you've done your training right, even if you are a novice, you should be able to say, if you've got a marathon coming up next weekend, you should be able to go and run that marathon. Just the fact that, you know, the cutoff for two oceans is at the beginning of May. We're only a couple of weeks away from that. So if you're not marathon ready right now. Um, are yeah. we marathon ready? We're marathon ready. I'm not <laughs> marathon ready. <laughs> We're marathon ready. <laughs> you were just saying but, that. No, nah, I'm not saying that. We are. But, you know, it, it depends on you as an individual again. But from that point on, you get into the very specific phase, which I like to call the race-specific phase of your training. And this is where really it can vary a lot based on your goal. So, again, if your goal is just to finish, just to finish Oceans, then you know, again, it's just going to be about spending that long time on your feet, getting getting to grips with your nutrition as we're going to find out in our next Total Sports Two Oceans episode. For us, we're going to focus more on the race day Speed. goal. Well, the race day goal. So we know if we want to run a silver, we've got to run at 4.15 a kilometer. So we're going to spend a hefty bit of time on our long runs getting to grip with that 4.15 a K. Although I've been looking at that elevation map and now it's, now it's stressing me out. Hey? You're yeah, going to we'll, have to we'll, run like we'll, 3.30s we'll, until... The we'll chat about the okay. elevation. We ha- we'll actually chat about it on today's episode. We're going to go over the routes a little bit. Um, but yeah, look, after you've done your race-specific phase, that is also a very difficult phase to manage because it's the biggest load accompanied with the biggest volume. So the load is the quality work and that you do. how long is that uh, race specific? Again, period. it depends on the amount of time that you have, but I would I work on about four-week cycles. Four weeks. And then we get to the most important period. I know there's a lot of uh, mixed opinions when it comes to tapering. <laughs> um, and I think it's very much individualistic. How your body reacts to it is very important. And I know I'm sounding like everything I'm saying is wishy-washy and individualized (laughs) to you because there is no true answer right everyone is different but when it comes to a taper i personally find that you know you have to decrease your load in order to be able to to peak for your race the reason is and this is a theory when you're doing your training and you're building up that load you're getting to a point where you're extremely fit but you're also extremely tired so if you go into that race extremely fit and extremely tired the chances of being able to have a good outcome are not great now, the taper says, well, if you slowly decrease that load in the couple of weeks leading up to the race, you maintain that fitness. You don't necessarily lose the fitness, but by decreasing the load, you decrease your fatigue, which means that now you'll be in a better position to perform come race day. 
How does Davey feel about the taper? You know how I feel about yeah. tapers. And you, the way you feel about tapers is honestly how most runners feel about tapers. No, but like, like you say, I think, it, I think different people, different requirements, different results and all of that. And like, I've never, I've never felt mentally strong or, or good on a taper. Yeah. Um, and I know people that, that just don't, that, I mean, it's almost like you're a crack addict. <laughs> Coming off these like well, it is. really it's awesome, awesome like weeks, and you're getting all these endorphins, and then you just get all your endorphins just get whoop. Yeah, look, cut, cut from you. Definitely, I, I just don't think it's good. Yeah, look, it's, a, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough phase mentally, but it's a key phase physically. I think it's great. I I fully agree with the, with the concept of taking away the fatigue. Um, I just think also leading up, you know. When do you when do you taper? Say what? Three weeks out? Two weeks out? No. So it depends again on the the race. So the taper for your ultra marathon is going to be different to the taper for your half marathon. But you know you don't want to taper for longer than two weeks, and that's on your big big races. I would say ten days is generally a good amount to taper. And again, it depends on how much cutback you're doing on a taper. Yeah. And when I say cutback now, if your your biggest week is a hundred percent, you're then going to drop. 75 to 50, 25%. That's sort of how you would cut back your load. But it, I, again, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. But I do think that the taper is a key element of a successful training plan. And that's what you had asked me for. Yeah. Okay. Well, we saw how that worked out <laughs> at Comrades. Um, okay. But then, so talking about this training, you know, obviously we're just talking about running in general at the moment. So yeah. I mean, obviously, there's different types of running because, you know, there's hills training, there's speed, there's um, long, slow distance, there's um, zone one, zone two, low heart rate. So, like, what would you say in terms of your specific training program? Yeah. Uh, what are the requirements to obviously execute that now? Because you don't just go in and run. No. Right? So, you know, your training has to be specific, right? Yeah. So, it has to be specific to the race that you're encountering and specific to your personal needs. Now, if the race, like the two oceans, is quite a hilly, difficult race and you live in a place where you've got no hills to train, that is a problem because hills is something that, you know, you have to practice. Not only do you feel stronger when you then see a hill on race day because you mentally know you can conquer that type of hill. Uh, Con conquer. You can... <laughs> can conquer. Conquer. You mentally know you can conquer. Please leave that in. Thank you. <laughs> Carry on, Nick. You mentally know you can conquer that uh -huh. hill. Thank you, Davey. Yeah. But also hill training is really good for your running form and becoming really good at training on the hills helps directly with how fluid your running form is, especially when it comes to running downhill. Now, Two Oceans has got both the 21 and the 56. They've got some hefty hills in them. So hill training is a key component. Generally, you look at the elevation that you're going to be encountering on the day. You would sort of try and, and achieve that in a week, right? But... That's, again, just very different people going to have different outcomes. If someone's a stronger runner, they don't need to do as many hills. If someone's a weak runner on hills, they know that's a weakness. they got to focus on that. Speed work, exact same thing. I mean, if you're going for a, for a speed goal, you're going for a specific outcome, goal-based outcome, you want to work on your speed. But it's difficult to work on speed and work on endurance at the same time. So now if you're trying to build your volume because you need to go faster, and trying to build your speed at the same time, it's difficult to do. And that's where a layered approach of training, so having 
a bigger idea of what your training schedule looks like. So say now for next year, you want to train for two oceans, then how are you going to go about that? Well, perhaps in October, you want to work on your speed, maybe build up to a really fast 10K, 21K. And then in the new year, now with your newly gained speed, you purely focus on volume. Why don't you just go for your, for your long runs and run them fast? Well, because that defeats the purpose of a long, slow run and i think there's benefit in doing long fast runs as well uh, at a given pace a very specific pace to help you cope with the demands of race day but the basics behind an lsd which is what you asked me is long slow distance now what does that mean well it's running slower than what you actually think slow is a lot of runners are very bad at this they spend too much time working in that middle intensity zone not enough time at a hard zone and not enough time in an easy zone what is easy dependent on you but essentially you should be able to sing a song when you're running easy <laughs> you <laughs> i've seen us sing songs we can sing a We've song then you're pretty good when you on the track yeah exactly well yeah that's a bit more difficult but you should you, Easy should feel easy. It should feel like when you stop the run also, it should feel like you, you haven't necessarily made a massive effort. And easy running really builds endurance. So even though it feels counterproductive to your training, even if you're training for a specific goal, the easy runs are really what's going to help you build that endurance, specifically to ultramarathons. Yeah, okay. And now, Nick, this is a very, very, very important question. Something that you've been harping on for hey, for the past I know what it for is. the past four five days. Something that's hey. reared its head again in my training program is this is this thing called cadence. Cadence. <laughs> what is cadence? You might be asking. I'll tell you what cadence is. Cadence is a scientific formula for the amount of times your feet touches the ground. What per per kilometer per no, no, or whatever no. you you get the gist of it. It's you're almost there. Drive it home. It's the amount of times your feet touches the ground. Every minute. That's it, my boy. Every minute. Wow. And the theory is that the more the more times your feet touch the ground, the more energy you are you are creating, right? The more energy you are conserving. Conserving, but also creating. But also creating. <laughs> but creating. <laughs> And that's going faster. Okay, let's not lose too many people here. We could do a whole podcast on cadence, yeah, and I'm sure we will one day. It is but as you said, cadence is the amount of steps you take in a minute, generally measured in both feet touching the ground. Some devices measure it as one side, and then you have to times it by two. Uh, most people sit between the ranges of 155 and 170. Uh, if they're not aware of their cadence. Very seldom do runners sit in the 180s and they aren't aware of what cadence is. And if they are at that level, then they it means that they've got a pretty economical way of running. And economical running is essentially what I was talking about with Davey now, just yeah, becoming quite yeah, efficient. Yeah, yeah. But the essence of it is Davey's got a very poor cadence. So I think it's a very sore point because for Because I glide in the air. I'm like a gazelle. I yeah, and go. he stumps the ground. Yeah. Yeah, but two Nick, meter. Nick thinks he's very special because he's now got this new function on his watch and you run next Everybody's to him and got he, it. Most people have it and it's called a cadence metronome. So th this is this is quite literally a masterclass, guys. This is like this is why you listen to Making a Runner because this is the top tip from the coach, right? Obviously, we know how much to run, but cadence, okay? Okay, so like I said, <laughs> the ability to move your feet fast is a good way of absorbing the ground pressures. 
so especially if you're training for an ultra marathon where you're going to be doing a lot of running and spending a lot of hours on your feet running if your feet touch the ground more times in a minute essentially there's more time that the pressure from the landing onto the floor is going to be dispersed so less of that pressure goes up into your joints which then means you have less chance of picking up niggles. It is very difficult though. It is honestly something that's quite hard to... It is hard. Because it's like it's, a, it's a conscious behavior. It's a conscious behavior because if you have a bad cadence, it's not something that you can just quickly quickly fix. It's it's a mindful change and it's actually an effort to Well, it's a process, stride. right? Yeah. So you go from being unconscious about it and you're incompetent in it. Incompetent. Now I make you conscious. That becomes conscious incompetence now you practice it because you're like damn what is this cadence let me put this metronome in let me listen to it let me try and match it now you, be, you become competent but you're still having to be conscious the goal is to get to a point where you unconsciously competent at it and that takes time and with anything i mean i see it in my day-to-day work as a bio when i'm trying to work on someone's posture and that's not going to change overnight but that behavior over months of repeating good behavior becomes the norm and Cadence is one of those things that the more I'm learning about, the more I feel it should be something that runners understand and are able to uh, work with during their sessions sure, sure. or even on a long run. All right. So go go check Cadence out, guys. It is something that is um, very useful. But then the other thing that I want to talk to you about that obviously can also make a huge difference in, in you know runners is um, – your posture and your running form. Mm. Is there anything that you would like to say to somebody that they can look out for that's going to maybe help them improve their stride, improve their running technique? Yeah, look, I think cadence is a part of that. Yeah. So it's part of the equation. Uh, when I usually try and, and correct runners in their form, I'm trying to correct them in the most fluid way. And when I say that, it's not about being robotic. It's actually the opposite. It's about being as easy and motion Uh, motion filled as possible when you're running but the motion has to be going in the right direction Uh, the best advice that i could give to a runner is to try and be as tall as they possibly can when they're running and the 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 sort of cues that i tell them is chest forward hips tall stomach in stomach in chest out okay (laughs) not quite okay so i would say keep your hips as forward as you possibly can and try to keep your chest as tall, like there's a string pulling your chest up towards the sky. And I think and Nick did promise us that he's going to put a video on our socials uh, of that exact... I'll, I'll have to do that. Okay. Okay. But essentially, you want to be as tall as you can. What does it do to you? It elongates your body. It makes it more elastic, which now means that you're going to be able to generate more power. And that is why what happens is when we get tired, the complete opposite occurs. We, we fold over. We become very heavy, we hit the ground hard, and that's the opposite to elasticity. So we want to be as elastic as we possibly can be as runners. All right, so cadence and being elastic, obviously very important points. Um, But then something that I think a lot of runners neglect, uh, me, myself, (laughs) I definitely neglect it, is strength training, cross training. Is that something you recommend, obviously? For sure. I mean, if you you listen to our episode with Yvette Van Zale, you would know that she doesn't do nearly the amount of running required by an elite level athlete, but she competes on an elite level through the cross training that she does. So for me, that is, I mean, that's a, that's a case study. doesn't mean that everyone's going to fit that mold, but there's definitely, definitely an element of cross training that can help build your endurance. And it's a known fact, strength training, there's, there's no reason why <laughs> runners seen, seen shouldn't be strength training. <laughs> 
Uh, and that fits right into what I was saying in terms of your form being elastic. There's certain movements that you should be doing in your strength training routine that are going to help you enforce that form. Because as I said, the form change is only going to happen if you adapt different things in your daily life that consistently build that good behavior in your life. And strength training is a part of that. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt. And if you're not too sure on how to go about strength training, you know, you can definitely find health professionals, bios that can help you in your area. Well, there's a few videos on our... There's, there's, on our there's videos on our socials, you know, there's no shortage of content out there for runners. Or just reach out to Nick and I'm sure he'll be willing to lend yeah. a helping hand. Yeah, no you problem. Know, strength training is something that we can go really, really in-depth into. But, but I want to uh, make one point just quickly yes, on strength please. training. One or any kind of strength training yes. is better than none. Any. Even any. if you're doing 10 minutes a week no, of some sure core work. What about five minutes? Any one minute, anything is better than nothing. Ten seconds. Davey's looking for the <laughs> shortcut, yeah. Eh? Oh, you said anything. I wanted to see how far I could go with that. But yeah, it is a good point, guys. Um, if, if you don't have the time, you know, to dedicate an hour into a gym session, then ten minutes of some really good core exercises, like Nick says, is better than absolutely nothing. And then obviously just uh, talk to me about different effort levels, heart rate zones and pace zones that a runner might. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. That's another, another podcast that we're going to have to do. But very basically, effort levels, heart rate zones, pace zones, there isn't one thing that a runner should be following. Uh, don't believe that you know you can always go about effort on every single run because the effort's going to feel different if you had a good meal, if you had a bad meal, if you had a good sleep, if you're very stressed at work. What might feel like a 3 out of 10 on a good day might feel like a 6 out of 10 on a bad day. The same can be said for heart rate. You know, On a bad day, your heart rate might be a lot higher than what it usually is on an easy run. And if all you're following is heart rate, you might be pretty freaked out by that. But then it's about understanding what could have caused that high heart rate. And the same thing is your pace zone. You know, If you run a marathon comfortably at five minutes a K, that means that your easier runs should be at about six to six and a half. I'd say 60 to 90 seconds slower. But you know, on a good day, that might feel like 50 seconds slow. On a bad day, it might be two minutes slower. So pace zones can can guard everything, but at the same time, I, I believe that it's finding a happy medium between effort level, heart rate, and pace zones. And the moment that a runner understands that, it's where they're going to get the biggest benefit out of their training. Understanding that they can have a bad day. Understanding that, you know, on a good day, you might be able to push a little bit harder. So... There isn't one size fits all with that, like everything else in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, sure. I do believe that good runners know what a 2 out of 10 feels like and an 8 out of 10 feels like. Yeah. And they know that that 2 out of 10 should correlate to this heart rate. And that heart rate should correlate to this pace zone. So becoming mindfully aware of that usually is a massively helpful thing. Yeah, okay. I'm obviously going through my list of questions because I have so many questions, but we're just trying to give you know, our listeners a, a, a brief touch on some really important topics, guys. We don't have time to go into all the nitty-gritty, but one thing, obviously, that we, I just want to chat about is the dreaded word injury, right? Now, you're training for two oceans. You pick up a niggle. You've got an injury. Tell us about you know, managing it, preventing it, or, or something that you might recommend to somebody who's maybe picked up an injury or can feel a niggle. You know, give us your expert advice there. Yeah, look, when it comes to injury management, 
especially when you've got a goal in mind, it can feel like the pressure is on from the start. And a lot of the time, many runners sit in a position where they're in denial of that injury. They would rather just try again, just try go for another run. Let me see if it warms up. Let me see if it goes away. No pain, no gain. Yeah, <laughs> but when it comes to injury in a time frame, so now say you've got eight weeks left to uh, two oceans and touch wood, you started feeling your Achilles. <laughs> yeah, look, you could probably do something about it today that might put you out for a week and then you're back to training. Or you can live in denial carry on for another two or three weeks until it gets really bad. And now you go to your physio or bio and they tell you, look, you've got six weeks left. It's going to take us five weeks to rehab this. There's no ways you're running. You know, so, one, one thing I picked up from you a while ago, sorry to interrupt, but was, you know, you, you're never going to, you're never going to miss that one week of running or, yeah. or you're never going to miss that one run, you know? So often we get so consumed by this goal and this journey and I know I speak for myself because I was a classic example two weeks ago I was sick yeah and I I just I was so desperate not to like lose any other progress and I was just like trying to follow the group and I the track session and I was irresponsible you know I went out and ran and I and I just did I did so much you know worse to my body but um and that's the same thing with injuries you know like if you feel a niggle and if you if you can if you, you your body always knows and your mind knows and if you think you should skip that run skip that run guys yeah. and listen to that body you know and it's hard like I say it's hard to listen to it but take responsibility for that injury and sort it out today don't wait the injury is only going to get worse sort it out do whatever you need to sort it out and learn from that injury there's obviously something greater that's causing the injury and you know your goal is the current goal but two oceans going to be around next year it's going to be around the following year there's many other races there's many other marathons there's other ultra marathons like running for me is a journey of my life that i want to continue and no what not one race is ever going to be bigger than that but it's easier said than done you know? easier said than done sure Okay, and then let's just obviously, I mean, we're ending off this conversation, but obviously we just wanted to go into, you know, planning for the route, both the 56K and the 21K, and just also touching on how important it is to, you know, plan ahead and plan for the route, because please don't arrive at the start of two oceans thinking it's a flat route. <laughs> and just obviously, you know, do, do your research, know what to expect. It, it's not going to do you any harm. So, yeah, I mean, Nick, let's go over the elevation profile for the 56. Yeah, look, we don't, we don't need to go over too many details of the route. The, the nice thing about the Total Sports Two Oceans Marathon website is that it's got the routes on there as well. It's got the direct routes and the elevation profile. So everything that I'm talking about is directly taken from those elevation profiles. But if you look at the routes, so starting with the half marathon first, the half marathon is not an easy half marathon. There, there's some major hills, First, at the beginning of it, so within two and a half, two Ks of it, you've got some, some major climbing to do. And then comes a little bit later, around about the, the 11 kilometer or so mark. There's a major climb there, you know. So at the beginning of the race, in the middle of the race, it's hard to plan an event for a specific time goal. Uh, but we are, we are going to be having um, a, more of a, 
a race planning session when it comes to it closer to the event. But in terms of the elevation profile, the main thing is you need to understand is it, it is not flat as Davy says, and you've got some major climbs in it with some crazy downhills major. at the end of it and some camber. So you've got to be prepped for that. You've got to make sure that you get your hill training in. And when it comes to the ultra, the 56, I think it's it can be a bit of a, a difficult one to pace as well because the climbing, the major climbs all come towards the end of it. And when I say the end, it's in the, in the latter half, you know. So you're starting out, you're feeling extremely strong up until 30 kilometers. And then once you once you go through, through Nordic and you end up starting your climb to Chappies, the race can change on its head, you know, and you're climbing up chappies. But I think even just chatting to a vet, you know, where a lot of people get it wrong is the downhill of chappies coming into Hout Bay. Um, a lot of people feel like they need to make up time there and can often burn their race at that point because, you know, coming into Hout Bay, you're just going through the marathon mark and your major climb of Constantia Neck is starting. And Man, I even drove that climb last week when I was in Cape Town and it it just doesn't end. So it's a long climb. It's got a big bite at the end. And then thereafter you think, oh, I'm going to be on my way down. Yeah, you are, but it's a pretty difficult uh, final end to the run. And there's a little bit of a pull up towards UCT. So again, you got to plan your race in regards to the, um, the hills and you have to make sure that you do include quite a bit of hill training in your in your preparation for it and save those legs for the end of the run yeah but sometimes also ignorance is bliss uh, maybe just for sure <laughs> maybe just don't go and drive the route like Nick did. oh well, no. i, I want to know i want to know exactly you know. but you know like davy says ignorance is bliss just know to save your legs for the hills and don't be overindulgent on the downhills so guys, this has obviously been a really, really beneficial conversation um, from Nick. He's obviously a coach, so he's very experienced with this kind of stuff. But Nick, can you just give us you know, your top tips and just round it off for the Two Oceans Marathon? Yeah, sure. I think preparation is key. So make sure that whether you're running the 21 or 56, you're fully prepared for it. You know, you've done the right training. You've done the right length of training, as we've spoken about, the right types of training. And you've given yourself a little bit of time to rest in the build-up for it. You know, we haven't spoken much about nutrition, but that's something that the next episode will be about. But please, even at this stage, you need to be practicing that race day go, nutrition. Go give the, um, the episode with Mariela Soya a listen yeah, to. That's, that's going to be key. And if you aren't doing any strength training, I would say try and include some very light body weight work. It's too late now to get some big strength training gains. But, you know, any type of work such as rolling, you know, light mobility work, it is going to help you improve your running. And one tip that's not necessarily related to Total Sports Two Oceans Marathon is be a mindful runner. Think about the way you run. And if you're not too sure on how you run, get someone to video you so that you can have a look at that. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much, Nicola, for answering these these, right. these really important questions, guys. And as we said, guys, if you have any questions, any further questions, please pop them our way. And also, we are going to be having that Q&A episode in two episodes time. So start popping those questions to us too. And we are almost there, guys. 57 days to go. Get ready for it because it is coming. Thank you for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. We hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show. Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run. We
wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.